a last resort, uh, in that you know we don't have enough. I think we agree we don't have enough housing in this community. Um, take, you know, taking that action, taking uh, an occupied property off the rental um, availability is something that um, we would be only doing in extreme circumstances. I think there is some method of us having done that, but it's not something that happens very often. Yeah. Well, and the reason I ask that is because from what I've seen throughout folks' ownership history, they'll just pay fines. Whether it's $3,000, $6,000, those can pay them. And so what I see is that here's someone who has a history of not being concerned about how their tenants are living, and it seems like one of the only things that might work is to say you will lose your license if you're not going to make that up. Is that something you would, be look, you would look into if this were to keep happening? I guess I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, Charles, but I mean, in general, we have tried to be uh, as aggressive as we can within the law, and sometimes judges have found that we've gone beyond the law. Welcome to Unsolicited Bridge Picks. I'm your host, Charles Winkleman. And I'm Bree Bills. And we are doing an emergency episode today. We're trying to get this out quickly. We have one that was recorded that I have not finished editing. We will get that out. It is about the bike lanes, but uh, there is more pressing news. In... Charles, it's finished edit. It's finished. Okay? You just gotta... I know. I have to listen to it to say that I like it. That's all. So, what's today? Monday. So, early early Saturday morning. Is that right? Yeah. Early Saturday morning, there was a fire at 199 King Street in Burlington, which is a, a rental building that had six, six units. units. Yeah. And all of the units are uninhabitable at this point, either from water and smoke damage or from just being burned the fuck to a crisp. Some may argue that most of those units were barely habitable to begin with. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so essentially there was a, a fire. I I can't say I actually read uh, any of the city's posts or anything. I think it was a three alarm fire. Yeah. It spread incredibly quickly. It ended up killing two people in two different households, uh, one of whom was a 31 year old father with an eight year old daughter. And uh, yeah, some information has started coming out around why the fire happened, possibly why the fire happened, and really who kind of is to blame for all of this. Because mm-hmm. uh, there is blame, there's always blame to be had. <laughs> Because tenants don't have power, and even negligent tenants... Don't deserve to die. You know, when, when a house is well bu- built, even negligent tenants aren't going to die. When, when fire systems are, are connected and installed throughout, tenants don't die. I mean, I have yeah. a, a pretty good housing situation myself, and my landlord literally just emailed me this evening, emailed everyone, all of his tenants, to ask if we had a fire extinguisher in our kitchen, and if we didn't, he would bring one over right away. So, like, even, even the, the, the quote-unquote good landlords... You know, if they're not living in your building with you, they're not keeping up on, on your safety, even though it's their legal responsibility to. Right. And I think that's kind of what, what this is really about, is that the, none of the tenants are to blame for the deaths that occurred. Maybe a tenant is partially to blame for the fire that started, but he's not to blame for how quickly the fire spread. From what we've seen from reports, the the fire the fire department reacted and responded was there in four minutes yeah which is good i'm told i don't know i thought it was slow the the fire department i'm pretty impri- that's a that's yeah so you know what ignore my lack of uh, any sort of 
for, uh, expertise on. on that. <laughs> Sorry, you have four minutes in, in preschool time in your head. You're like, four minutes is fucking forever. I mean, so it seems like there was a quick response. But yes. again, like, how is it that in between there being a fire, like in between the fire department being alerted, right? and then they show up four minutes later. And two people are dead. How the fuck does that happen? Like there are, again, there are codes, there are safety regulations in place to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen. And of course, like there are tragic accidents and all of these other things. But like, I refuse to buy into this, like this narrative of this being this tragedy. And it's so sad. And it's unavoidable. And, and yeah, like, even in this modern day and age, these things happen. It's like, yes, they do happen because people are negligent. You, you walk around. I mean, it could be King Street. It can be Upper King Street, Upper Maple. You walk around in between UVM and downtown. A lot of those giant houses, you know, I knocked doors and, and walked up all those stupid stairs, sometimes the wrong stairs. A lot of those houses barely have fire fire escapes. Mm-hmm. When they do in the winter, they're not shoveled or anything. So they're icy as shit. A lot of the these houses are, are so cut up that it's hard even to leave when you wa- escape if, if there was a fire. When you say cut up, you mean like they weren't initially apartment buildings. Yeah, they were and like then... giant rich people, Victorians, that right. over time got cut up into essentially student slums. You know, the, the, the building in question here seems like it was built as a rental. It looks like it was built to be a six unit rental, but the, the, their old buildings, there's kind of like a, a, I don't know, I would almost say the older a building is or, or like the longer a landlord has owned a building, the less of a shit they give about it. And so this building was old. The landlord had owned it for a while. I don't, I haven't looked up how long. It was managed by some other property management company, hmm. uh, full circle property management. It was overseen by a lawyer, Louis Sussman, uh, owned by Lawrence Cruz, who owns a bunch of other buildings. Um, and and this, this particular building, 199 King Street, had received only a one-year certificate of compliance. Uh, which along with 129 other buildings in the city, which is not a lot of buildings that fall that far down uh, the city's very, very low standards of housing. And of course, landlords are going to whine and complain and say, blah, 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 it's not true. It's really tough. But obviously that's that's not the case. I mean, you, you need to have a, a fire system clearly hardwired in, in an apartment building, especially an old apartment building. It needs to be hardwired together. There needs to be higher standards. Yeah. Well, what are the standards for fire safety? Do you know them? I've been trying to figure out a little bit more about what's required and um, have gone on a bit of a wild goose chase because you can look up different things at like vermont.gov and they'll send you from one place to another and you'll end up getting sent to pages that that show up 404. So you'll click on the link mm-hmm. on vermont.gov and it will be like, this page does not exist. I downloaded the 2015 Fire and Building Safety Code, which I think is the latest version because that's the one that the government has on its website. So hopefully that's the latest. <laughs> you you got to You got to love it. You got to love how, uh, how easy it is. Uh, you know, and it's interesting because when the mayor started the, this this certificate of compliance. Originally, the idea was just to help code enforcement and for them to be able to, quote unquote, target the, the problem units, um, problem landlords. But at mm-hmm. some point, it kind of morphed, changed in this way where, where the mayor made it seem like it was more about the market, because that's mm. what Mayor Weinberger loves so much and about how, well, if this uh, house, this apartment building has a, a only a one 
you know, you could look it up in the database that took eight fucking years since they said it was going to happen to actually make it happen. Mm-hmm. You can look it up and then choose not to rent from them. You know, the, the idea being that we live in this uh, marketplace of housing, which is all different types of housing available to all different income levels or no income levels, and that people actually have any sort of real meaningful choice in the housing they live in, mm-hmm. or that they have any ability to actually uh, hold landlords accountable, which is in the interview you have with Moreau, he talks about this change in in code enforcement as kind of like this progressive great thing where mm. um, it used to be that all buildings were were inspected every three years. And now they're either inspected every one every every year, every three years, or every five years based on basically how in in what state of disrepair they're in or how well cared they're in. It's not just in what state of disrepair it's in. It's in what state of disrepair it's in after the landlords are given notice that right. code enforcement is coming over to inspect it. And so that's when they'll show up um, and fix things that they yeah. haven't fixed in several years or throw paint over a hole or, you know, whatever it might be so that yeah. it passes the inspection because the inspection is literally just looking at it. It's not trusting tenants. It's not taking any tenant evidence. It's it's nothing like that. It's just someone shows up, looks at it and says, well, if it meets, you know, if I can visually see that it's not meeting code, then you have this amount of time to fix it. And then if you don't fix it, you get more time to fix it. And then if you don't <laughs> fix it, then you often will get another extension to fix it. And then you might get a fine. So I want to read the, uh, there's a part of the mayor's statement that I think is, is so important. Because essentially there's there's two ways that this, this situation happened. Mm-hmm. One is that the city didn't actually inspect it. And I, and I think they did. And I think they just never updated their website uh, or the, the compliance website. Like they didn't update multiple websites, even though this happened oh, in, in April. the statement that he just issued... So he issued a statement um, January 11th. And, and to give some context, um, the Bronx Tenants Union, which I am a member of, and I helped write this statement, uh, we wrote a statement that we put out uh, around 1230 or something today. And one of the things we talked about was how had only recently received a one-year certificate of compliance, which according to the Burlington Department of Permitting and Inspection means that they had more than 10 violations or deficiencies or at least one major violation. According to the city website, there are 129 other buildings in the city with one-year certificates, and this building has been without a certificate of compliance for over 10 months since April 27th, 2020. We also then called out the mayor's shitty Twitter thread where he said he urged everyone to check their smoke alarms and fire systems regularly and hug your loved ones. Which, you know, great, great mayor, thing, great thing to do all the time. Just, just tone deaf as shit. Well, well no, so this is the thing. It's not only tone deaf, but adding that as the last, I believe that was the last part of his thread. Not, Hey, if you don't have housing, if you've lost housing, contact x y or z or hey you know there's 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 nothing in his thread or even his second statement that's like hey we're setting up a fund to help these families right but it's also irrelevant to the case so the the checking your house for for those things like it's your responsibility if you're a homeowner right which is all the mayor understands so that's what he's thinking if you're in a rental apart uh, apartment i feel like a lot of people still do check those things in their rental properties they don't necessarily know <laughs> you mean, all you mean of the, the tenants are the tenants? Yeah, Ten- a lot of tenants will check to make sure that they're that they're operational because you you want to make sure that that's <laughs> yes. that that's a thing. But also in terms of looking at the whole of an of a, a rental building, 
you you don't have access to knowing what kind of a fire system is in place right. and to being able to check that or monitor that and it's not your responsibility right so it's right it's, i don't i don't know if my neighbor has a has a, a a fire extinguisher yeah and frankly from from the email i just got i'm not sure they do <laughs> you know like, like well your it, landlord doesn't know either right my landlord doesn't know either which is the really concerning thing um right you know it's it's in leases right that that Landlords are responsible for extinguishers to make sure they're being checked. The fire department is supposed to be checking them regularly. Mm-hmm. The fire department, I believe, is supposed to be doing checks regularly to make sure things are, are working. Landlords are even responsible for replacing batteries in fire al- alarms, yep. which is so and annoying. Carbon monoxide, fire and carbon monoxide stuff. And I understand why it's there and it should be there. But as a tenant, when that shit starts beeping and you're like, hey, I need a fix, it starts chirping and they're like, okay, it's going to be a week. And you're like, oh, fucking great. Like, this is useless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get to listen to this chirp in my bedroom all night long for a week long, which is honestly part of the issue, which is a big reason why people unplug their fire uh, alarms, you know, and it might just be a temporary. But like this, this goes back, I think, to so much of what the tenants union has fought for and argued for, which is like, unless it's a life, a quote unquote life or death issue, the landlord has like over a month to fix any of the problems. And even when it is a life or death issue, there's no way to compel a landlord to fix it except for cajoling and begging and calling the, the, the code enforcement so that they can then cajole and then also beg. Right. And we've mentioned some of those things in the past. And I mean, we've mentioned situations like in our Boves episodes. I don't know what is defined as life-threatening, but there are certainly <laughs> some things there that are... I mean, like the, the story that you shared uh, in one of the Boves episodes about a woman who was living in a house and the ceiling collapsed from water damage yeah. right with it like those situations are life-threatening for an infant <laughs> right right and she had an infant so it's like it's like one of these things where the laws don't exist to protect people they exist for the people in power i mean that's why laws always exist right well they exist so, well so so you look at these the code compliance thing here and they're saying yeah. they were in code they were in compliance with the code that matters here they were right. out of code you know like which seems I mean, it's a covering. It's a covering of the asses. Well, it is, and and um, there was a tenant who who came forward to speak with us about it, um, mm-hmm. who, who went on the record, and they said uh, they had lived in in one of the the apartments there, and they had said one of the biggest and most concerning issues that I had was with the stove, which was leaking gas. The landlord still just swept it under the rug, saying that it was an older stove model and that it was essentially just natural wear and tear. At one point, the landlord or property manager came by with a building inspector to conduct a typical inspection of the unit. I remember clear as day asking the landlord about when the stove would be replaced and that there was a distinct gas leak coming out of it. The building inspector was right next to her and absolutely heard what I said. I'm incredibly frustrated that the both of them overlooked all of these safety violations. Maybe they assumed that because it was an old apartment unit that the tenants could care less about replacing fire alarms or making sure that the unit is safe. I hope both are brought to justice and held accountable for their absolutely awful mistakes. Um, and, and I've I've been talking to other tenants who who shared who had lived in that unit or other units, and shared that the stove has been a, a recurring problem for a long while now. Like this isn't that the stoves, particularly in this in this unit, that other tenants before this person had had complained about the stove and, and saying that it leaked that gas. it was leaking. Yeah, that you could ha- that you could smell the gas leak. Yeah. The reason that's important is because the mayor put out a statement, which I think directly, directly is about what the tenants union put out. Um, 
And I, I think what's interesting about this is that it, it, it's really a, a, a lose-lose situation for the city here. You know, if we take them at their word. Um, so they, they, they mentioned that um, there was an inspection in October 2020 and that supposedly this inspection found no major deficiencies, uh, even though the one in, in a year before had. Uh, the inspection found that smoke and carbon monoxide detectors were installed and operational. The inspection did find other deficiencies specifically a priority deficiency that the boilers needed current heat tags and routine deficiencies like units with peeling paint, broken store windows, and bathroom flooring that needed repair. Um, a building of that old, that, that routine deficiency is probably lead paint, which is not a routine deficiency, but that shouldn't be at least. As a result, reinspection was scheduled for December 2020. The property manager then requested an extension for reinspection. The only priority deficiency in the October 2020 inspection was the current heat tags, and this deficiency was corrected in December 2020. Since there were no major deficiencies and no other priority deficiencies, this extension was granted and the reinspection was scheduled for February 1st, 2021. Had all of the deficiencies been corrected by that time, the property would have been eligible to receive a three-year rental certificate of compliance. So like, I, there's so much to unpack there. One, three years. Three years for that? If you get if you have to get an extension for anything, why would you be given a three year certificate? Like you're clearly showing yourself that you cannot fucking keep up on your own goddamn units. The the other thing is that let's take them at their word. Let's say they went through this inspection process. Let's say they even looked at that stove and found nothing wrong, right? The inspection process does not work. It does not keep people safe. So in a best case scenario, they did their job. The system worked exactly how it was intended to, and people died. And one of the reasons only two people died was because this fire occurred uh, in between semesters because a lot of the, the tenants were students and a lot of the tenants were not in the building at that time. And it's not a coincidence mm -hmm. that two of the people who died were not students, probably kept more traditional hours or, uh, you know, I, I talked to one tenant who happened to be staying at a partner's house that night. Uh, and, and so, like, the, I, I don't think they understand or, or they're... they're being willfully ignorant of the fact that they avoided an incredible mass casualty here. Yeah, I think it's the way that you were just framing that in terms of like, even if all of the boxes were checked and everything was was done well, a lot of times it, it is dangerous to kind of get bogged down, bogged down in the details of a case by case, you know, like oh, a, yes. of one case, um, especially when we don't know all the details and whatever. But the thing, the thing is that for the thing that most concerns us, I don't know if I can talk, speak for, for the two of us, but the thing Always. that most concerns us is that this, this lack of accountability with code enforcement really makes it difficult for us to trust, um, to trust the system or to take, to take them at their words when they say that they're doing everything that they can. I mean, when you, again, in this, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to incorporate the interview that you had with Moreau. Yeah. But Moreau's tack is often like we do with landlords. We do everything that we can do within the law, right, to make sure that they're held accountable. That's that's his tack. He never says you're right. We should change the law. Right. It's, he, it's like, he he never says hey maybe it we. Says, we're limited by the law. Oh well, hands up in the air. There's nothing we can do. And the and and the point is what ends up happening is landlords are not held to account and people yeah. die. People lose their children. People lose their, their homes and their, you know, people end up on the street. 
people end up with, you know, these traumatic experiences and chronic stress from being in unsafe housing. And, and I don't want to, like, get this point. I, I say this a lot. We said this in the Bove episode, but like code enforcement's job and, and if you ask them and they're, and they're feeling honest, they'll say it. They don't have any power over landlords. Their job is, is to get a voluntary compliance, essentially, because the fines are so, so small. The Tenants Union, about two years ago, we, we put out a bunch of demands. And one of them, I just, I just want to read it here, because this is like 18 months, two years old at this point. A major impetus, yes, I said that right, for the founding of the Burlington Tenants Union was repeated tenant stories of uninhabitable apartments and lax enforcement of building codes. Mm-hmm. Code enforcement routinely works for the landlord's benefit, not for the tenant's rights. Right. Common examples. Not providing tenants with information on the process of code enforcement or their rights during the process, nor submitting reported violations in a timely manner. Not citing or fining landlords for not repairing code violations. Not providing tenants with copies of all investigated reports, orders or re- for repairs, and inspector's notes. No or minimal penalties for unrepaired code violations. At present, a landlord can expect at most $75 fine for the most egregious violations. Really? Because... Because uh, Moreau says that there's there's um, robust ways to there yeah he said that the that the system I don't remember exactly I didn't write it down but I, I can pull it up but it's quite robust and that there are different levels at which you can be fined there are different levels of fines right yes technically right there was the situation <laughs> with the boves where after years upon years upon years upon years upon years eventually the city got them to pay like what five thousand dollars was it do you remember what it was from the episode it was a minuscule amount it was a minuscule was it 3, amount. yeah it was it was like a few thousand after years yeah, upon was, years like, of uninhabitable yeah. housing burlington's efforts to hold uh landlords to hold landlords accountable for the upkeep of their buildings is quite robust. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say something about how the code enforcement system, the fact that there's a whole department of five people just devoted to code enforcement is quite unusual for a small city, a city, a city of, of Burlington's size. I, mean, I think Burlington's efforts to hold landlords accountable for the upkeep of their property are... Um, Quite robust, uh, you know. I think they're not. I, I I don't have a great sense of how our our efforts here apply to other cities, but my sense is, for a city of our size, to have a five-person um, code enforcement office entirely dedicated to holding people responsible to a minimum of housing standards um, is unusual. And uh, we have, I think, an unusually effective administrator running that now. We've. Um, uh, gotten to the point where um, that that department is, you know, really quite efficient, and, and and I think has been able to target its resources through kind of smart uh, policies and changes in policies and tiered fines and the ability to um, for landlords that are effective landlords and keep their places in very good shape. They we don't inspect those properties as frequently. It allows us to target our code enforcement efforts on the bad actors and um, I think you're right that at times clearly Bose have fallen into that category um, find me one city of Burlington size where 60% of the residents are renters you won't you can't unless it's another college town and he says that they're unusually effective which was very strange to me 
Because then he goes on to be like, but actually we, we can't. Because when you push him on this about how, oh, so he does a couple of things. One, he says things like, we've we've done what we can, right? You're like, but Boves will pay the fines and then they don't give a fuck about the rest of the disrepair. I mean, I think it's important to talk about, one of the things that's important uh, that you have, we've talked about and you have talked about a lot is just like protections, including having the stick of being able to revoke a landlord license. Yeah. And um, he never really gives a straight answer for that about like how that would even happen. Um, He says that it would be really difficult, that it's really difficult to do. He says that Bill Ward knows more about it. And then of course, not to make it necessarily about Moreau, but the defense being like, well, we tried that. We tried to hold them. We tried to hold landlords accountable and the judges wouldn't let us. That's those are that's the wording that he used. The judges wouldn't let us. If you care about something, you don't just quit because a judge says no. Like you can appeal it. You could <laughs> you appeal it all the way to the, the, the state Supreme Court. There's a fucking uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Like there's so many options. You can go to the legislature. So the idea like, oh, we tried suing. And I know who he's talking about. He's talking about Sun Quan. And in regards to that one, if you talk to some people connected to the case, they would actually say that the city fucked up and could have won if they had handled it better and, and done it differently. Huh. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a judge. It's like, you know, like if you don't, a city's not going to go to court if they don't think they have a chance. So they right. clearly fuck something up. Uh, <laughs> they, they're getting these fines and they pay them and don't change anything. And, and so what it comes back to is, is how are you holding them accountable? How are you holding landlords accountable? You can lose a, a liquor license. You can lose a driving license. You can you lose your law license. You can lose your doctor's license. And last time we talked, you said you would never let a landlord lose their rental license. I don't think I said that. You exactly. said that was an extreme thing to do, and that it is you an would you would do. not do it. We have tried to do, it, and the judges wouldn't let us. I mean, we went after Swan. You went after you went after someone who had three properties, not someone who has a, a hundred plus. You know, uh, I think in, that that in, shows that, I mean, the judge threw out what we tried to do, right? They wouldn't yeah. let us through. So, I mean, so they're, they're, tried, we're, we're limited by the law. And we're so you tried by. something that didn't work and you're done. I mean, because what, totally what, what I hear you're saying is we're better than all other cities. So it's okay if some families, some low-income families, still end up being treated in ways that traumatize them and that cause immense physical and emotional harm. We do hold landlords accountable, and we push it as far as we can. And it's not just the Soon Kwan case that we got pushed back from the judge. We also tried to hold the Handys accountable at 184 Church Street, and uh, we got in trouble with the ACLU because they thought we were going too far, and we were being, you know, punitive towards the the, the, the renter. But what, they, what was you, trying to happen? You lost there? that lawsuit, though. I mean, I mean, that's important to, to mention. You. You uh, used city resources to push out someone who became homeless. That's not accurate, Charles. What we did there, there was uh, what we did there, is try to bring pressure against the landlord. And what the landlord then did is evict the individual, which was not the intended consequence of the, the city's policy. Yeah. Another notable argument that he made was that uh, about the landlord right licenses. So first. It's hard to do. It's nearly impossible. We tried. We failed. The judges won't let us. We're confined by the law. Right. There's that whole. Mm. Tack. And then there's another part of the conversation that maybe we include, we, we might want to include some of this part too, but where he says to you that we're already in a housing crunch. Why mm-hmm. would we want to revoke landlord licenses when we're already in a housing crunch and right. we don't want to take any units off of the market? 
Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, think about how sinister. Think about in, in light of what happened, <laughs> how dangerous that is. <laughs> How that I mean, like if you're a landlord and your license is revoked, you can sell those properties. Like you can still make <laughs> bank in Burlington selling those properties to other investors. You yeah. know, like or the city could say you need to fix them or we'll take it, which is what some communities are doing. <laughs> so that yeah, like the idea that there's no options is bullshit. It's yeah, bullshit. There are other options other than like, oh well, we have to have these terrible landlords because otherwise we're going to be in deeper water in terms of housing. Like, but it also, I mean, a the, it, he admits that the the city has no actual power to do anything about this. The city doesn't have any legitimate real power to keep tenants safe, and that's scary. Whether you are a tenant in a, a I mean, I guess if you're in a new building, you probably don't have to worry as much. Uh, but most of the most of the apartments in the city are, are old. Uh, and so that's scary mm-hmm. to think about. On top of this, he's essentially saying that if he can bring up the vacancy rate up, even if that means your life is at risk, he will do it. Pretty fucked up thing to, to say. <sighs> for, for someone who uh, came into office as a, de- based on his developer credentials, who as a mayor has personally or as an administration developed zero units of housing, you know, and he'll talk about all the units he's helped build, but the city itself has built zero. Are you trying to say that he doesn't care about poor people? Maybe. I will not tolerate these ad hominem <laughs> attacks. He acts, sorry, that's the other thing. Like he acts like you criticizing him are ad hominem attacks. I want to get back to Bill Ward for a second because this is important and goes back to the Bove conversation that we had, right? Mm-hmm. Because part of that that two-parter about the Boves was about Bill Ward's close relationship with the Boves as landlords and how Bill Ward essentially uh, admitted in an email that he communicated with the Boves in a preferential, separate, unique way compared to other people when it came to removing graffiti. And so like the, the I don't know, I, I put this out on Twitter too, where it's like, I have no question about the bravery of, of the, the firefighters in this town. The fire chief though, is, is, has his job because of the mayor. He serves at the mayor's behest. He is a political figure. He came from the mayor's hometown and the mayor chose him. There's, there's deep connections there. The mayor's family still lives there. They're, they're involved in the community there. How is that related to this? Just because he's the fire chief? Because I think... When something like this happens, the gut response that a lot of people have is we have to trust the authorities. We have to trust that they're, they're going to do what's right. And and the truth is that Bill Ward has his own interests. He wants to keep his job. He is there because of the mayor. Every department head wants to keep their job and is there because of the mayor. And if they don't want to keep their job, they will piss off the mayor or quit, which has happened. And so hmm. when when people say, well, the city's looking into it or... or Bill Ward said, you know, he's really concerned. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Look at what they're, look at their actions. Walk around this fucking town and look at any of the buildings in the quote unquote college slums. Any of them. And you tell me that our codes work in any real meaningful way. I mean, like, yeah, they do keep heat on. They do keep buildings inhabitable so that landlords can keep making money. (laughs) So in that sense, codes work really well. Depending on how you define inhabitable. Defined by the codes. <laughs> right? No, because we've already talked about how, like, telling people to fix shit doesn't work. But but what, what I'm saying is that according to the city, as of now, every unit in every building in the city is habitable. Right? Or almost all of them. Well, of, I mean, yeah, now, legally. They, yeah. Legally, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Regardless, like if they're if they're <laughs> if they are. Shun Quan is still renting to people. The guy who the mayor complained about how the judge said they couldn't sue for lots of money. He still has units that he's renting to people. What what was his uh, what was his deal? He's just a slumlord. He owns a few properties. He doesn't take care of them uh, often. The heat breaks and he won't fix it. And you said he owns three properties. He owns like two or three at this point. Not a lot, but they but the the city loves bringing like him a, up. A dozen or a couple dozen units, if that. <laughs> I think it's okay. like maybe a dozen units. But the city loves bringing him up because he's the most egregious. But all it does is reinforces my entire point, which is that enforcement doesn't do anything. <laughs> is he white? No, he is not. Soon Quan is not a white man. Just the name just doesn't... Yeah. Is he like Vietnamese or Cambodian? I think so. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I would guess. I mean, just, just the demographics in Burlington. I mean, that is something else to consider too, right? Which landlord gets all the shit and which landlords never get held responsible for any of their actions. Uh, yeah, Boves are, you know, several generations in, three or four generations in of having power in the community. Yep. is something something to note. So the, the, the end of the statement, the mayor's statement, is the preliminary investigation into the tragic fire does not show any building safety issues that contributed to the fire. Not without getting bogged down in the details of what happened in this specific case. People died. These are probably prevent These are preventable deaths. How were they preventable? What could we have done to prevent this? What could have been done to prevent this? And, and I think one of the big questions is like, what's going to change, right? Charles. And, and the, the biggest issue I see from the mayor and the fire chief and Bill Ward, code enforcer, um, is that they see this as a one-off. They see this as a fluke, as a freak accident. Uh, they don't see this as, as an embodiment of, of what can happen to a, a lot of the tenants in the community. So... As of now, I can't see anything changing. I don't. I can't see the mayor doing anything differently. I can't see code enforcement doing anything differently because they're saying they did everything the right way. So let's throw our hands up. Right. So maybe if they did, again, coming back to a point you made earlier, maybe if they did do everything that they could have, laws need to change, the code needs to be updated, and these buildings need to be updated. Or, or torn down or taken over by the city. Yeah, so it's... It's difficult to read the fire code. Part of it is because, you know, like the first the, the first section talks about the definition of public buildings. And it's not entirely clear what public buildings are. Basically, public buildings are not private buildings, from what I can gather from this document. <laughs> but like, so 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 trying to figure out even what parts of the code would apply to this specific building are really difficult. It's just, it's really difficult for tenants to actually know if their buildings are up to code. If Even if they go digging, because this the annex says, sorry, the, the, section, the introduction section says, uh, for definition of public buildings, see this government document or annex one. And you go to, down to annex one, and it's not really clear what public buildings are, I, you know, whatever. And you go to the document that they say that you should go to by clicking on a link and it shows up as nothing um anyhow so yeah it's really if i were a tenant in burlington which i am not it would be really difficult to know my but 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 brie the mayor said all we have to do is check our our fire alarms and fire systems you know the fire system i don't even probably have access to right exactly uh because it seems like maybe the fire system 
for your this kind of building is something that should be like the individual units are supposed to be connected to one another in some ways. I don't know if it's just like a battery. Way. Anyhow, I don't I don't know. I'm not going to get into something that I don't really know. I don't have time to read this document and understand it. I tr- I've tried to do it and I just don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it. I think kind of to summarize what we're talking about, this really terrible thing happened and reminded many tenants of how vulnerable a position many are in, how little control you have over these kinds of things, like like fire safety in your building, even if you are checking your fire alarms. And how little recourse you you have. Those were other things like when I was trying to search about like, what rights do you have as a tenant if you're building catches fire and etc you know i don't know I, I i saw one person at least on twitter who was always a, a good source of information <laughs> one tenant said that uh they did have um renter's insurance for example that was one of the things that i was like who you know how many of these people have renter's insurance and yeah. are going to be able to make claims because you know the, the property owner's not losing money on this one, really one tenant told me that they were required to have renters have insurance, right. okay. which which I don't think it's that uncommon, but there's some disagreement with some other people I had. But either way, that doesn't help their case where you're like, yeah, you need to have renters insurance. Oh, why? Oh, no reason at all. This yeah, is my very safe building. Yeah, the only reason I had to have renters insurance in the past was because I was caring for somebody in my home. Right. Or pets. Sometimes if pets... It's expected that you get some oh, okay. sort of insurance. Yeah, no, that was not the case in the building I was in either. Yeah. But yeah. like you were saying, what recourse is there? What recourse is there? Well, and, and the other thing is that is I just want to say that I have been talking to other people. I've been talking to one person and they haven't given me any details yet, but they lived in that building from 2014 to 2016. Um, and they shared about how there was a lot of uh, safety concerns that they experienced living there. It was a different uh, property management company at the time, Apple Tree Bay. Like, th- I guess that's like what is so frustrating, right? And that's why the tenants are informed. And that's why so many of us do the work we do is because this is a worst case scenario that came true. Right. And what's so frustrating is that you you know which buildings are, are fire hazards. You know which ones. <laughs> you can walk down the street and see them. And those buildings have had problems for decades. Yeah. I, I looked it up. The, the, the owner of this building has owned this building since 1992. When was the last time he did any major repairs? He doesn't have to. He makes bank off of it. Yeah, Although I, I, I already died. So he was he was making bank off of it until he died. Well, that was that was almost 30 years ago. So probably because of the housing policies that are misguided that you advocate for. <laughs> um, uh, what can change? What can change? So there's... Um, yeah, what can change, honestly? Well, there's a GoFundMe for uh, Mike Lawyer's Memorial Fund. God damn it. Um, Fucking GoFundMe. Yeah, right? This is this is the this terrible, shitty world we live in. It just says he was a loyal father, son, and friend. He was a giant presence with a soft spot for those in need. Uh, he has an eight-year-old daughter named Sadie. She shares his curiosity of the world many times over. If there was ever anything he would want people to support in his memory, it would be to help Sadie follow her self-professed dreams of being a scientist, doctor, or inventor, or an Olympic swimmer. So there's a GoFundMe uh, that we will post. Try not to cry. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sensitive. No, it's it's so fucking sad. I just get angry instead, which is a very... I get angry too, but I cry. I cry when I'm angry. I, with other members of the tenant union, have been talking to the tenants who have been affected by the fire. 
trying to figure out what they need. Uh, right now, they just kind of need some space. And then if you have ever lived in Burlington, ever rented in Burlington, if you've known people who've rented in Burlington, on January 19th, Tuesday at 7 p.m., there is a tenant solidarity call-in to the city council meeting. And there will be more info on that, but generally the idea is that we want people to call in and share their situation where their housing was unsafe and nothing changed, where their code or, or fire enforcement uh, was unsafe and they called and the they got a... Nothing burger of a response. They Yeah, they got a nothing response or they got paint slapped over it. Like we, we want you to call in and, and make it clear that the system doesn't actually fucking work. Or ask questions if you need to, you know, you can also just... Some, some questions you can ask is why Councillor Joan Shannon whose constituents uh, died in in this fire has not has said not anything said anything anything it has been 2 days since the fire over 2 days and she has said zilch so you, that's one question uh, you can ask why the mayor won't revoke landlords licenses you can ask why the mayor doesn't care about renters and but but here's the other thing you know in a couple of months that mayor won't be the mayor hopefully and so so looking beyond just Weinberger. But even if that is the case. Like what can Honestly, I mean if you if you have the time and you're able to to get involved with the tenants union, uh, I mean that's the only way power is ever going to change in in this community. Um tragic tragic things won't change it. It it just will it just reminds tenants of how tenuous Precarious, their situation yeah. uh, can be. Um if you're listening to this thinking like, "Wait, I I don't know anything about about this, about codes in my building. I don't know anything about how I would ask for help if I needed, if I if I saw something that was a problem or that my needs aren't being listening to, listened to, you should, again, you should hook up with the, the tenants union. And that's, that's what it's about. You know, it's about empowering you to know your rights and to advocate for your needs. And we'll, so we'll inc- include some of the links. We'll include the link to, we'll include the link to the, the January 19th meeting call-in. Um, so you can participate in that, invite other people to, to call in. I think that's that's it. That's all I, that's all I can I think. I think that's of. it. So it's really upsetting. Mm-hmm.